Okay. So we are on Friday of Parsha's meaning. And now we are going to be learning today, we're going to be beginning at the longer section, the laws of kosher animals. <clears throat> so we're in chapter 11, verse 1. God spoke to Moses and to Aaron to say to them. Now to Moses and to Aaron, Rashi clarifies, which actually Rashi explained to us in the beginning of Ayikra, that really God is speaking to Moses, that Moses should give this over to Aaron. Now to say to them, Rashi said, means that Aaron should then convey this to his two sons, Eleazar and Isamar. And then Rashi questions this and says, well, maybe to say to them means to say to all the children of Israel. But we know that's not true because in the next verse, it clearly says speak to the children of Israel. So since in the next verse it speaks about speaking to the children of Israel, what is this verse referring to? That means to speak literally to his sons, Chalazar and Isamar, and teach them these laws. Speak to the children of Israel, saying, These are all the life forms that you may eat from among all the animals that are upon the earth. So when it says speak to all the children of Israel, God is equally saying this to Moses and to Aaron and to Eleazar and to Isamar, that all of them have this mission also are messengers of God to the children of Israel to convey these laws. Now, why are we giving such honor that all of them are equaled here? Because they all equally accepted in silence God's decree of the death of the two other sons of Aaron. They accepted it in silence, meaning with nullification. accepted it with love. And therefore, they were equal in that, so they're equal in this. And the verse says, these are the life forms. So the word here, those hachaya. Chaya is like the word chayim, chay, life. Including that because the Jews cling to God and are fit to be alive, so that's why God's separating them from impurity and decreeing all these commandments on them. Meaning there's so many rules. Why are there so many rules? Because you have the ability of being alive. But to the other nations, God's saying nothing. God allows them to see whatever they want. You'll be like, wow, that sounds like it's, uh, they've got a better deal. Rashi says, no, it's like a doctor. And Rashi just begins, it's like a doctor. He doesn't say the whole parable. The parable is that a doctor went to visit two patients. One had a fatal illness. So he told the patient's family, give him anything he wants. Then he went to another patient where he saw that he had a chance to survive. And he said to that patient's family, he has to eat this food. He can't eat this food. They said, what's going on? The other one, you said he could eat whatever he pleases, and here you're forbidding so many foods. So the doctor said, I told the one who will live, eat this and don't eat that. But the one who's going to die, you might as well give him anything he wants. So that's the parable. It's a very obvious parable. So those people that worship the stars and all those idols, they can eat whatever they want. But Jews are destined to live. God said, you can't make yourself abominable. This you eat, and this don't you eat. Don't make yourself impure, because you're destined to live. Because all those that cleave to God are alive. Now the verse says, this is this animal. This means here, sorry, go back a second. The verse says, this, no, no, this is the animal that Moses would hold the animal and show it, because this means something you could point to. So literally Moses took each creature and he showed them this one we eat, and this one we don't, and this one we do, and this one we don't. 
not only with the animals, also with the creeping creatures, also with the creatures of the water, also with the birds, because in all of them it says this. So it says this, it means something that you can point to, it means something you tangibly see. And the last Rashi in this verse, this is the Chaya, which means the life form, from all behema, from all animals. This teaches us that the term animal is included in the term chaya. In other words, usually behema means a domesticated animal and chaya means a wild animal. But here we're saying one is included in the other. Next verse. Anyone among the animals that has a split hoof, which is separated as a split into hooves, and that brings up its cut, and that brings up this cut, that you may eat. So Rashi explains this idea of split, separated with a split, that the hoof is divided above and below, meaning the entire hoof is split into two nails. Because some animals are split, but not completely. So for example, a donkey's hoof is not split. A sheep's hoof is completely split. But a camel's hoof is partially split. The top, the, ha- the part closer to the foot is not split, and the bottom half, the part further from the hoof, is split. So this Rashi is saying that we're saying Shosa Shesa has to be completely split. For it to be partially split doesn't count. That brings up its cuz, meaning it regurgitates its food and returns it to its mouth. So we have animals, these kosher animals that regurgitate their cud, has four stomachs. So the food first travels to the first and the second stomach. From the second stomach, the food goes back to the mouth. And then from the mouth, it goes back to the third and fourth stomach. So this is the idea of it bringing up its cud, regurgitating its food and returning it to its mouth to crush it, grind it finely, and bring it back down. So its cud, the word cud, is from the root word of flowing, like water that flow. Because the cud flows like water, and it flows towards the mouth. Among the animals, now if we look in the verse, this word among the animals is unnecessary. I, I, I don't need it. Anyone among the animals that has a split hoof. I mean, I don't have to say among the animals. I understand that. So obviously, it's not written unnecessarily. It's to allude to something. The Rashi said it's alluding that there's an animal you're allowed to eat that does not have to be properly slaughtered. And that is a fetus, which is found inside of its mother. And there, if someone ritually slaughtered the mother, and then there's this fully formed fetus animal inside, the animal does not have to be ritually slaughtered. Which is interesting, because even if the fetus is so fully formed that literally... When you slaughter the mother, the fetus could survive. It really could be an independent animal. But still, it does not have to be richly slaughtered because it's found inside the mother. So this you could eat to imply, but you cannot eat an impure animal. So a person could question and say, but wait, isn't this already included in the negative commandment? So here, what we're basically doing is saying that if someone transgresses, they actually now have a double transgression. They're transgressing the positive commandment that you may eat, and they're transgressing the negative commandment. Next verse. 
But this is what you shall not eat from among those that bring up their cud or that have split hooves. Now, again, here in this verse, we're discriminating because to be a kosher animal, you have to have both signs. You have to regurgitate your cud and you have to have those completely split hooves. If you have one but not the other, it doesn't count. And there are four animals that Moses enumerates that only have one sign, which is an amazing fact. Because if you search the whole world, there's still only those four animals that only have one sign. So either Moses was an amazing zoologist or Torah's coming from God. But this is what you shall not eat from among those that bring up their cutter that has split hooves, the camel. It's cause, but its hoof is not split, for it is impure to you. And the hyrax, for it brings up its cut, but its hoof is not split, it is impure to you. And the hare, for it brings up its cud, but its hoof is not split, it is impure to you. And the pig, for its hoof is split, and its hoof is completely separated, but does not chew its cud, it is impure to you. So we say the pig really represents this evil, because the other three animals, they chew their cud, but they don't have split hooves. So they're not on the surface pretending they're kosher. But the pig shows up his split hose for everyone to see, as if to say, I'm kosher, I'm kosher, I'm kosher. But he's a pig. He's not, because he doesn't show his cut. You may not eat of their flesh. Normally, you touch their carcass. They are impure to you. The Rashi says, on the basis of this passage, I know only that the specific animals mentioned are included in the prohibition. So, how do I know about all the other impure animals? In other words, this is forbidding an animal that has one sign of impurity. What about an animal that has no sign of impurity? Where do I know that prohibition from? So, Marshi says it's a Kavachimer. Kavachimer is a logical argument which states that if a rule had been given for a situation where there's relatively little reason for it to apply, how much more so does it apply in a situation where it might not be explicitly stated the rule, but there's much more reason for it to apply? So in the explicit situation here, we're talking about an animal that has one of the signs of kosher. So maybe I would think it's kosher. It's less likely for me to know it's completely, absolutely not kosher. But if in that case it's explicitly stated that, no, that animal is not kosher, then obviously, as we say, an animal that does not have any sign of the two signs necessary, for sure, is not kosher. Because there's so much less room to think there'd be any reason to say it's kosher. So of their flesh you cannot eat. So the Torah clearly states a prohibition with a negative commandment about the flesh, but not the bones, not the sinews, not the horns, and not the hooves. Nor may you touch their carcass. So we might think on the basis of this phrase that the non-priests are warned against the contact with the carcass of an impure animal, but that's not true. Only the priests are prohibited from making themselves impure through contact with this dead animal. The Jews are not prohibited. So what's it saying? This force is not prohibited. So if it's a Kavahimer, another Kavahimer, if in the case of impurity caused by contact with the dead, which is much more severe, the Torah prohibits only the priests. So for sure we're talking about the impurity of a carcass. We're not talking about a dead human. We're talking about a dead cow. So it's much less severe so obviously, logically, the Jews are not prohibited and only the priests are. So then what are we saying? Okay, so that Rashi is logically proving that what seems to be the literal simple meaning of this verse is obviously not applicable here. So we get that. And even though the verse seems to imply exactly opposite, 
But we understand and we accept that no, the regular Jew does not make himself impure by coming in contact with the carcass of a animal at any time. Unless, of course, there's a situation of extra holiness here. But then what does it mean, going back to our verse here, what does it mean you can't touch them if we're saying what the verse seems to say is not true? So to speak, it's not what it means to say. The Rashi says this means on the festivals, meaning every Jewish man has to take care not to be impure on the festivals. Because by the festivals, every Jewish man is supposed to be come to the Temple Mount to bring the special offerings of the festivals. Actually, some say this also applies to women, that women also can't be impure on the festivals because they also have to partake of the offerings then. But on the festivals, you can't touch them because this will create an impurity that you would not be able to go to the Temple Mount to offer these sacrifices of the festivals. But for all the rest of the time, we know you can touch them because you can come in contact with the dead of a human, which is much more severe than the dead of an animal. So obviously the dead of an animal you can come in contact with. Next verse. So that was all the animals. Split hooves, choose its cud, the four types that only have one sign, Kavachoma reasoning to apply to all of them. Now we're talking about things in the water. This may you eat from everything that's in the water, everything that has fins and scales to the, in the water, in the seas, and in the streams, those may you eat. So this is a sign of a kosher fish. Kosher fish are very easy. If you go to a not kosher fish market, and if you get a completely whole, uncut kosher fish, you check it has fins and scales, you're good. And any animal, any fish that has fins has scales. So therefore, really, if you have one sign, you have both automatically. So fins, Rashi explains, is that's what it swims with. And scales are the hard shell-like part that are set into the fifth. And Rashi brings a verse to prove that this is the scales. This is what we mean by the term scales. Continuing, and everything that does not have both fins and scales in the seas and in the streams, from all the creeping things in the water and from all the living creatures in the water, they are an abomination to you. Meaning, if it doesn't have fins and scales, it's out. You can't eat it. So what does it mean, a creeping thing? So Rashi says this means like a low-lying thing that creeps and moves along the earth, close to the earth's surface. And we will stop this point.